0: is your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith Biles, on the show today you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it how to identify and avoid publishing predators
1: Well, we are in the heat of the summer, at least those of us who are in Colorado are feeling a little bit of the heat today, finally. So I'm loving it. And my guest with me, who you have heard many, many, many times, also wears Denver as Colorado as his home base. And what Nick Sillinger and I are going to be probing into is, is really one of the hot topics that was at the Off Extravaganza in May. And it was Nuggets for Newbies, 10-time money-saving tips for authors just starting out. But guess what? Us old timers need to be reminded often of these nuggets because, you know, the old saying, you can hear it once, you can hear it twice, but before it really gets in and sticks, it's roughly 21 times. So who is Nick? Well, he's a graphic designer. He's a multi-award winning graphic designer covers and interiors and in fact Nick designed my, uh, my last two books and author you creating and building the author and book platforms we are very tickled to get because it is a Ford magazines book of the year just won the award at the American Library Association in the writing sector so we're very excited and Nick just really morphed and brought this book alive uh, is a quasi book and workbook, so kudos for him. Now, what well, he also has over 25 years of experience, he's worked for ad agencies, printing companies, um, he was an art director for an aviation magazine, he did product packaging for manufacturers, he even designed promotional material for the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, and several of the affiliates with Clear Channel Radio System. So right now, majority of his work is book design, both the covers and the interiors. And his designs have won a variety of best cover designs from USA Book News, Indie Excellence Book Awards, International Book Awards, and of course now, Forward Magazine Awards. So w- Nick, Nick, glad to have Hello. you back.
2: Thanks, Jude. Thanks for having me on. You are and welcome. Congratulations on the awards, too. That's just great news.
1: Well, that's, that's partly with you, you know. Um, so I shall say Nick is, and NZ Graphics, which is his company, is also one of the sponsors of Author You, your guide to book publishing. So in addition to all his other design work, Nick does do posters. He does great posters, those, those wonderful five- and six-foot banners that you can put as part of your promotional postcards, bookmarks, business marks. So he's all into what it is about branding. All right, Nick. We're going to jump into some of these nuggets All right. for newbies that you had. And why don't we start out with, you know, one of the ones that you led with, and really why it's important. It's it's, it's what about this this thing that you call mapping out the plan? So yeah, and, and do-
2: it's very and it's very similar to what you state in your in your book, author, you with the game plan is that. At, if you 're you know a new author, and actually if you 're not a new author, if you 've done books many times, but you 're just starting out it 's really good to kind of get a game plan and a mapping mapping out your strategy and your plan of action before you do anything else I mean you know obviously you 're writing your book and that 's paramount, but there 's so many other things to be taking into consideration after that, so you just kind of need to map out your strategy of who you 'll you, who you hire as your team people because we know from experience that if you hire the right team uh, as, you know, editors and printers and graphic designers and whatever, you're going to have the uh, most – guaranteed the most success. Most success. Uh, and you have to figure out at the get-go, you know, what can you do yourself efficiently, what you're good at, what you're not good at, you need to hire because the competition in, in indie publishing right now is extremely, extremely competitive. I mean – the quality across the board is going up. uh, And so anything less than really, really exceptionally professional is not going to uh, do real well. So mapping, mapping out means, uh, you know, what do I do? I mean, do I, beyond writing my book, do I need a web designer? Uh, Do I need, you You will need an editor. You will need maybe a variety of editors. Maybe you'll need a content editor. If your book is not, is in the early stages, Uh, you'll definitely need a, Mechanical and/or a technical editor and a proofreader; uh, those things uh, are essential before a, a book goes to layout. Um, and then, of course, you'll need a variety of other service providers. You know, you'll you'll need to figure out where you're going to print your book. Is your book going to be print-on-demand? Are you going to do small batch printing, or you, do you anticipate large sales? Do you want to use a traditional publish, uh, printer? Do you need? Um, do you need a copy, Uh, I mean, a copywriter? Do you need somebody to write marketing copy for not only your book, your back cover of your book, do you need them to use it for uh, your social media? And in regards to social media, you know, how do you get all those ducks in a row as you're planning out your book? So right off the bat, there's uh, a lot of elements to the process of uh, the book project. And you have to figure out as an author, where are my strengths, where are my weaknesses, what do I need to do? To get those people in place, so that I have a team that works in tandem with what your vision is,
1: and which is all—all all of those things are critical. And I know one of the things you brought up was the different types of editors, and a lot of authors, writers, writers to become authors don't realize that there are multiple editors that could be involved um, in the play. Uh, and, and in fact, right now Nick and I are working on a um, quite an extensive book about World War II called Shutdown. And that I I told the author if, just 20 minutes ago that I am going to box up the entire manuscript from the cold eye edit, and you will be shocked what we pulled out after three of us have already been through the book. That when we brought in, you know, the final, final, which is what we want to have done before it goes to the printer. And those are the, the cold eye person is looking for you know, names that don't match up. For example, if you have pictures with captions, are the names the same that you have in the text content? And guess what? We found some that weren't, right, Nick?
2: That's, it's true. And then we also sound, you know, just inconsistencies in how things are written, you know, using an ampersand instead of the word and, or at least being consistent about that. But it's amazing what a coli reader will do. I mean, no, newbies need to understand that one editor most likely is not going to do the trick for your book if you're if you're really determined to have a, you know, a professionally done good book. I mean, my my goal is to always. I'm assuming your book's going to be a bestseller, no matter what. So you got to treat it that way. And the way you treat that way is to just get get good editors. You know, a content editor, somebody who can tell you well, your story needs to go from A to B. You're you're mixing tenses, whatever. Uh, You you need to get your, you know, the right timeline on certain things. Then a mechanical editor down the line who can fix grammar and punctuation. Uh, And then that cold eye reader that, you know, that is so essential at the end because they really do catch, they'll just catch misspellings of names, uh, foreign countries, um, you, you know, just different small little things that, We'll go by maybe five or six different reads from different people that we will never get. So that's really it. I think to me that's that stage of preparation of the book is essential.
1: Well, this actually the final stage, the, the, what I call the full blown production, is one of my favorite stages because you see everything all coming together um, and you bring it about. And I and I know just the, the example of that cold cold eye. I caught an oddball thing that actually. Nobody caught, not even the cold, the, my final cold eye, and I was just going through and then bang, it just jumped out at me. And it had, in, in this one text, it was referring to the number 800 as in a numerical, and then right after it, it had the word 100. And, and, yeah. and just, you know, so, so we had it 800, 100 nobody caught that because your, your eyes just don't get that, that, you know, your mind knows what it's supposed to do. And you just kind of toodle along.
2: Yeah. And that's why you always, you know, always suggest and and recommend that even authors, after they're done with a few edits, read the book aloud. I mean, I know I hear the sob stories from a lot of authors saying, I just don't want to read my book again for the hundredth time, but it really is an important thing. And it's amazing what you catch when you're reading something out loud at a, you know, a slow pace, but, but it does take many eyes for sure because no book is no book on the shelf is actually dead perfect but you can get pretty close to it and you certainly want to avoid embarrassing mistakes and omissions and and just the word weird spelling is something that's not right you know
1: yeah and just trust it i mean this is when sometimes google is your best friend
2: yeah um uh, yeah just keep it open and, and look at it all the time so that that phase of the that phase is essential when you're when you're really really honed in on wanting to produce a professional you know manuscript.
1: Okay. Now, one of the things you talk about, <laughs> which I think is really important, because you and I are on the same page, dealing with your cover copies, that we both want them to go out and take a peek at what's going on, what's out there, um, and and what's in the competition. Um, so, because we are you are competing, so. That what grabs you, What what uh, are they using bullets, it is, all, is it all narrative copy? Does it help the book or do you glance over it? Is there a testimonial? What kind of credibility does the testimonial? Um, and that one of the things that, that's very important for all our listeners to realize is that you don't bother with endorsements in, unless they carry clout, uh, clout with your potential reader. So if your reader who's out there, has no recognition to who this person is. I mean, it could, you know, it could be Matilda next door. That it really isn't necessary to do that. You're wasting really valuable real estate. The single most important thing for me, and that's why I like to use bullets a lot, is that you're able to do short, succinct, but descriptive value that whatever this book brings to it, especially in a nonfiction book. Would you agree?
2: I agree because, you, you know, that back cover copy is your elevator speech. It's like you meet an executive on an elevator. I always tell an author, and you've got three flights that you're going down. What do you've got in 30, 45 seconds? What's your book about? Why should I buy your, you know, why should I buy your book? Uh, so you need to be succinct. It has to be, and so bullet points are very effective that way because it's really telling people at a glance the value of the book, what I, you know, why I should buy this book, and and you've only got you know most books are either either a six by nine, at the largest size, or a five and a half, eight and a half. So you've your landscape for text is you know you've got something like two hundred to two hundred and seventy five words, maybe. Nick,
1: yeah, well let's just come back to this. We're going to take a quick break. Okay.
2: Earth-
0: your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles and we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the rockstar radio network
3: is there a book in you or another author you will show you how to create develop and publish your book without being good if you already have a book out
4: picture tells a story and it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover nick selinger and nz graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors independent and traditional publishers for years he has developed a reputation for Excellent work, fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces eBooks and book marketing materials, such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards, including Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival, Festival Award and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics.com or call 303 985 4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ friend of Judith's and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing.
1: All right, so we are talking nuggets for newbies and not so newbies because these all come into play. And that uh too many times I see that authors who have been out there that they think they always know the right thing and they forget sometimes who they're who they're writing for, who the market is, what the benefits are, and they've got to switch gears and not be so married to some ideas because there might be a better way to present. To hook and bring in uh, throughout the bait and bring in um, the reader to you, so be open-minded. I think that <laughs> I think it's always important to be open-minded a little bit because we've all been wrong. All of us have been. All right. So Nick was mentioning the six by nine size, and I'm just going to remind people that. Six by nine is not so much the normal size, unless you're into a hardback book. A good size fiction, you'll see that area. The, the, right now, we're seeing smaller sizes that are coming into play. Nick, what would you say the most common that you are dealing with in size?
2: Well, I mean, the most common probably, the I'm regular sizes, five and a half, eight and a half. But I'm doing more five and a quarter wide by eight tall and even some five by sevens. A lot of I've done some poetry books that are five by seven. So those are all um, viable trim sizes for print, like CreateSpace or Ingram Sparks or, or traditional printers. So you're right, though. I mean, I've I've had the kind of the the call from um, book buyers back east saying, you know, the those are the go-to sizes right now. So they are trending a little smaller. I mean, you're only talking, you know, like say five and a half, eight and a half. It's been around forever, but. That's probably the more, more common large size now for a soft cover.
1: Yeah, it is the more common large size, the um, used uh, uh, size at this point. And, you know, if you have a book that uh, feels more intimate, that that it's between you and the reader as you're going through, that smaller size, I think, really pays off. Uh, it, it really it
2: does. does. It, yeah, it distinguishes itself from the pack. And you know, I said if you've got a, something that's under 60,000 words or something uh, – you know, that considering that smaller size does make for a nicer book, especially if it's an inspirational book or a memoir or, you know, a small how-to book or something like that.
1: Exactly. Nick, you used to talk about how important, I mean, you're a designer, but what are some of the key questions you wish authors who come to you would ask?
2: Well, one thing is, I mean, it is true you should ask any designer that you you're, you're looking to hire sure. a bunch of different questions uh, and whether or not obviously they have experience in cover and interior design because if it's if, if they don't and they're still gifted graphic designers that's still not in their best interest you want someone who's really really experienced in publishing because it's a different animal than just graphic design uh, but questions like uh, you know obviously uh, how how authors how, how designers work in other words what what file do I need to give a designer, uh, what pricing structure are we talking about, uh, how many rounds of changes are included in that pricing, uh, what the author can do to aid the graphic designer in the process of uh, photos and images. If, they're, if their book is like the one we were talking about with uh, the World War II book, it had several hundred photos from World War II, which were a challenge into themselves but just because of the quality and, and the sizing. So, you know, what can authors do to aid the designer in those voluminous kind of, you know, tasks to do? Uh, and then, what, um, you know, what programs are they using? What software? I mean, obviously, the two main software programs for publishing right now are still sure. Adobe InDesign and Quark Express, though they've been. The two major ones because they both output to print-ready PDF and uh, eventually whatever format for eBooks. Um, so that's that. It's important. Um, and then ask for you know author. Author should ask for references. Uh, and then you know as any designer would have a portfolio. And my my website, for instance, pretty much functions as my portfolio. I've got hundreds of cover, covers on there and uh, testimonials and references. So it's sort of, people can visit that and see, for instance, me, what, you know, without a call, they can see if I'm applicable to what, you know, their project, for instance.
1: And how about the in-the-pocket uh, in question, what about rates? When, when is it appropriate to talk about, what's this going to cost
2: me? Well, you can start that conversation at the beginning, and then... Somewhere about midway, perhaps, if your book has gotten a little more complex. But, you know, I mean, the graphic design in and its, in its, of itself has always been a little iffy and questionable about rates because there's no industry standard structure uh, like, you know, a union, for instance, of plumbers or lawyers or whatever, where they have a, a certain thing. So there, you'll find somebody will look for designers. They'll find pricing a little scattered and all over the place. Uh and a lot of that's based on graphic designer's experience and background and stuff. So it's probably good to ask a designer right off the bat, um, do you do cover design? Yes. Do you do interior design? Yes and no. Some, some designers do both, like I do. Some do one or the other. So what do you charge and how do you charge? Do you charge, for, for instance, uh, for interior design, do you charge a per, pa- per page price do you charge by the hour? Do you charge by the project? And for that price, what do, what do I get for that? Do I get uh, x amount of changes or edit rounds of changes? Do that include that? Uh, if it's a cover design, um, do you have a one flat rate? Do you have uh, you know is it a is it a variable? How many how many layout images do I get? How many rounds of changes do I get? Uh, it's probably good right off the bat just because if you've got if you do or don't have a budget this is a good way to at least know how to budget for that because uh, graphic design is a big a large element in indie publishing I mean you really want to do, have hire a professional to do this uh, unless you've got some skills yourself but I know from experience 99% of the time that's not going to be the case you're going to need to hire a professional like me or someone else to do the project.
1: So when you're dealing with uh, it, well, let me just say it this way. Are there, mm. not, are there not variables that it's going to cost a heck of a lot more if you have art? And art could be photos. It could be uh, images that are dropped in. It could be illustrations. It could be creating like the call-out boxes that we use a lot um, That yeah. versus a straight fiction text where all you're doing is chapter after chapter after chapter.
2: Yeah, I mean, fiction obviously is... I mean, across the board, is always going to be a lot more inexpensive to lay out. Uh, you, you might have some images in a section page or a, you know, a beginning chapter page, some elements, but that's minimal because so, you really are laying out fairly straight text. Nonfiction books or memoirs or how-to books, that, books that require or have images or charts or sidebars or call-outs are always going to be more, uh, and that's priced – I mean, a graphic designer probably can give you a better price after he sees the manuscript or he or she sees the manuscript and kind of knows what what they have to deal with because uh, the biggest caveat to lay out with books that have those elements is that when you go back in and you're doing changes and if you're doing major changes, uh, those elements move, so you've got you know once you lay out a book and you're doing changes. Uh, text moves and then maybe the sidebar obviously the sidebar and the callouts are not going to move with that so you may have to relocate them so that's extra work and then usually graphic designers when they know that will can price accordingly and kind of give you a ball you know they'll usually give you a range of pricing from a to b you know somewhere in the range of that to say it'll be at least this it'll be no more than that depending on what you have for changes
1: and then you can work with that. But but we should let's say to everybody, if you decide to rewrite your book in the middle of this, you're talking about a new book, this is a new layout, don't expect some changes in the price to go up. That's one thing. The second thing is if you have photos or illustrations and art at the back of the chapter and you're thinking, oh, you know, it would be so much better if this was on the opening page, guess what? You're talking about laying out the entire chapter again. Is that not correct, Nick?
2: That's, real, that's really true, and that's why it's really great to have an in-depth discussion and uh, in that planning session with your designer right, right off the bat. If they want to see, for instance, at the start of the project, they want to see, can I see a couple of sample pages of different formats or layouts that have the photos here or the photos there, and then you'll pay for that extra kind of look. But generally, most designers and even authors down somewhere down the line have a general feeling for what they want. But you're right. I mean, it's really crucial to have obviously your book edited and ready to go to layout and have an idea of where you want these elements photos and charts and sidebars to be. Uh, But if you, you know, down the line after, because what happens with the interior designers, they meticulously lay out the book. It's just not dumping text in a file and letting it flow willy-nilly, and then hopefully it fits. They're, they're tweaking every line so you don't have multiple hyphenations, uh, that it doesn't have too much uh, you know, inner, inner space letting, so it's too scrunched up or it's too wide. So they're doing their best to lay it out per page. When you come in and add a new sentence or delete a whole sentence and don't have that same fill, you know, filled area, then things move differently. And it is yeah. really
1: yeah.
2: laying yeah. out the book twice.
1: And a, and a lot of these, a lot of authors don't get that. They really don't get the amount of really meticulous time that goes into all of this. Alright, when we come back, we're going to take another quick break here, but when we come back I want Nick to go kind of into a very quick step-by-step of um, what do you need to prepare your manuscript before you hand it over and then let's talk about how to get some royalty free images and uh, much, much more. So this is- okay.
4: Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mentioned hearing about us on your guide to book publishing, Judith Bryles, we will provide you a discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com.
3: Ed Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. And Ed and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers, creating beautiful and well-made books. We're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From e-book to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing question. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward.
0: Welcome back to your guide to book publishing, Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.
1: Well, with me is Nick Zellinger of NZ Graphics. And we're talking about nuggets for newbies, but they're really for oldies, too, as old-timers who have been doing this for a long time. Because I always learn new things and if you want to learn new things, whether you're a newbie or an oldie, I'm going to really encourage you to find yourself coming to Denver August 1st and 2nd. I have a very two-day intensive workshop I do. It's called Judith Bryles Unplugged. It is just me where I'm going to put you through and make you develop a crowdfunding program even though you haven't thought about crowdfunding It's good to know because it's going to open up all kinds of doors for your own marketing. I'm going to show you how to structure a speech around your book. We're going to get into some publishing ins and outs. I'm going to show you how to create a bestseller on Amazon because we're going to create the campaign in the classroom. And, of course, all about your game plan and how to do that, all based on my book, Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. And everyone that comes is going to get a free copy of Show Me About Book Publishing as well. All the information is on the bookshepherd.com. Just click on events. The discount goes away on Tuesday the 8th. Alright, Nick, we are talking about the extravaganza and uh, what you did because it was so valuable. The feedback was excellent. And I asked you before we went on the break about where in the heck do we get the you know the royalty-free images? It's not Flickr and Google. And some of the tips on preparing your manuscript.
2: Right, right. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, don't don't go to Google and just pull for any photo off the internet. That's the first thing, because there's copyright issues and quality issues, obviously. Uh, Books, uh, images need to be a certain resolution, dots per inch, for the print industry. So, you want to buy the appropriate images, Uh, and there are scores of really good royalty free. image sites across on, across the Internet, um, and I use several, almost a dozen of them at different times because they have different photos and different images and vector files. But, you know, I would say the top ones, uh, if you're an author looking for appropriate images for your cover or for something else for the inside of your book uh, that you want to show your graphic designer, uh, iStock photo, that's I, small i, um stockphoto.com is good and most of these most of these are sc- subscription services you can go online buy one image or you can buy for a quantity of a certain amount dollar value you can buy 50 to 100 images that you can download in the course of a year or a month or whatever so it depends on how much you use them but uh, let's go back to that but iStockphoto is really big uh photolia which is f o t o l i a.com that's uh, a really popular site. Shutterstock has been around for quite a while, and uh, Getty's Images uh, is a main one, too. I mean, a lot of these have kind of a overlapping with other sites. Uh, they'll have the same images or something. But I use also use Think Stock Photos uh, quite a bit this year. Uh, they have uh, some good pricing on uh, multiple images and these also images, are, they come in different resolutions. They come in for, like, web-ready. So if you're just wanting images for your website or a website, uh, you can get smaller and expensive uh, resolution images, but they also have very large files. So if you're doing posters or book covers, you can do that, too. Uh, and you've got uh, Canstock Photo, which is dot com. Corbis Images is a main one. Uh, some of these are... Uh, and they do all different and differ in pricing. Uh, I, would, I would say between uh, all of them, Corvus images and Getty images are probably the more pricier ones. And not, not only do they carry royalty-free images, but they have rights-managed rights images. So if you needed a special shot... Of say a, a professional baseball player or something like Joe DiMaggio or something, some of those things they have archived for those files, but you have to pay for the usage of that, and it's limited usage. So there's probably a, at least a dozen, if not 50, sites uh, that you can probably Google online. But I would say iStock photo and ThinkStock photo and Shutterstock are the ones that I use probably on a daily basis.
1: All right, so there is um, a lot uh, you know pixel perfect digital unprofound open photo uh, big stop photo dot RFcom there is tons out here
2: yeah there's you, just absolutely they- tons and sometimes some of them have more of a, a base for uh, they'll have more European photography than others and if you' that's your kind of guilt but they're all they're all partitioned pretty nicely for in terms of uh, you know the subject matter and the search engines are all good on all of them so you can uh, get very specific about the image that you want.
1: Exactly. So that works out well. But the thing is, when we say royalty-free, that means that you're not going to have to pay ongoing royalties to do it. You're gonna, you, you may pay a dollar for the image. You could pay $5 for the image. But that there will be, in the sites that Nick referred to, there is a, usually a slight charge, but it is nominal for the use that you're going to get out of it
2: that 's really true you can get sometimes they 'll run specials, and you know the most i 've ever paid for probably one single image has been maybe seventy five to one hundred dollars for something very specific, but most likely they're on the short i mean on the cheaper end from a dollar to you know twenty dollars uh, depending on the size but uh, and royalty free which means that you can use it for your book cover, you can use it for your business cards, your website uh, your you know anything uh, rights manage is a little different you they have a there 's a limitation on what you can do, you know, books of a certain quantity for printing and stuff like that, and uh, sometimes it has a time limit, too.
1: Yes, and, and I've, I've been on both sides of those things. All right, so yeah. prepare the manuscript, before we head to someone like you, um, you talk about that, that, that you, you want to see the entire Word file. Has, has it come in, correct?
2: That's correct. I mean, I know <clears throat> some authors may have their bro- book broken up into chapters. They write a Word cha- – they have a chapter for every Word file – that's something to discuss with the designer, and maybe, they, maybe they'll maybe they be okay with that. I'm Generally, I'm, I'm more happier to see one complete Word file of the book, but it's always good to have that for your designer to kind of look over before, you know, they can obviously look at that and see if anything else needs to be done or changed, or they can give you some pricing just based on your Word file. Mm-hmm. Um, that also, you know, I've come across a couple of... Uh, authors now and and some authors you know obviously have been writing their book for several years and so they decided to lay out their book in word because either they have more time than they need to write or they want to do that but most designers will say you know, don't lay your book out in word uh it's you know it's going to be changed when it goes to a you know a different size because you know you're laying your book out perhaps in an eight and a half by eleven format So so that you can kind of visualize what you want to see, but you know, the book is going to end up in a different size, so it's all going to look a little bit differently. Uh, But uh, if you're laying it out, you know, if you're laying it out just so that you can give a designer the idea of what you have in mind, that's fine, but but, uh, there are certain ways to do that.
1: Well, a lot of authors don't get that, that once it goes into book format, those those four hundred words that they thought would be just perfect on their eight by eleven, of course they're gonna look perfect on our five and a quarter by eight <laughs> that has gutters and margins and, and, and running heads. And the answer is no it won't.
2: That's true. So, That's true. <clears throat> so you, uh, you know designer, designer sets margins for the gutter because if you've got a five hundred to six hundred page book uh, that spacing is going to be scrunched in the middle of the book the way it 's bound and collated, so you need extra space in the gutter, so the designer knows how to do that and uh, you know I think it's it's really essential that you kind of just really really get hands on uh, you know discussions with your designer about that because I, this is where this is one of those elements where i I think you can save time and money for your author i 'm all about saving money and grief for the first-time authors so they don't come back and say this, you know, a book is just too hard to do. It's just a nightmare. You can really save aggravation and time by just discussing beforehand how to get your file sent because the, the major things that I see in Word files that authors forget to do, obviously, is editing because I come across Word files that have multiple spaces between periods. There should only be one space between a period, not two. Uh, but I see four, five, six sometimes. Uh, I see call-outs inside the book uh, when they're ready to go, to, for instance, to a designer. I, the preference for most graphic designers is to note where you want to call-out to begin and where you want it to end, not have a box in the middle of, the fo- in the, in the, of your Word file. Because the call-out or the sidebar may look aesthetically different in in the word i mean in your actual layout but so you just want to designate note where those call outs or sidebars begin and end and let the designer do that handle that design element and that's a that's a major thing right there so you can clean your man cleaning up your manuscript is probably a multi-stage process so you want to fix your spacing, or you want to at least get it to your editor and saying, could you fix up the spacing? Because if the designer's having to f- close up those spaces, that's taking time, and that'll take money, cost you money so you can clean up. That sounds like a minor thing, but if you've got an 80,000 to 120,000 word file that has multiple variable spacing, uh, and they've got to close all that up, that's taking time out of the layout.
1: Yeah, it's a mess. So just do it. I mean, what I simply do for all my authors is we just, when we get to where it's going to be a sidebar call out, we just put start box and put whatever the text is and then end box, And then the designer knows that it's going to be treated special and we'll figure out what that special is. And that's yeah, what we yeah. do. All the pre-work.
2: That's, right. That's the preferred <laughs> way. Cause then they can give you a sample of, this is what a call out would look like on your page. Do you like this? Or they give you three samples and you can choose one, but that'll, that helps a lot. Uh, Obviously, um, footnotes are another special thing that, uh, you know, has to be separate from the narrative. I mean, obviously, in your Word file, you're going to locate that there. But as long as it's noted, that's where the footnote is, or an endnote, for instance. Uh, yeah, it's, what,
1: yeah the, you know, it's a, and then you need to decide, um, how are we going to treat the endnotes? Are we going to are we going to compile them at the end of each chapter, or are we going to do them all at once at the very end of the book? So yeah, with, that, with, it's yeah. important. All right, so we're going to take one more quick break, um, and then we're going to jump into some really round-robin of things very quickly, because we have a lot more to cover here. This is Judith Rouse. My guest is Nick Zellinger. We're talking design and work.
3: By the way, Briles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at MyBookShepherd and on Facebook at TheBookShepherd.
5: At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from one to 5,000 copies.
0: Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Riles.
1: All right, with me is Nick Zellinger of NZ Graphics, and we're talking about the elements of your book design, which includes both the interior and the exterior, and some of the key things that your book covers, as well as the interior needs, and one of those is called an ISBN. <laughs> and that the ISBN typically goes in a bar as well as a barcode on the back cover as well as you put it on the copyright page and that also would be along with the library of Congress number um Nick, you want to add to that
2: yeah i mean uh, you can get obviously uh, go to balker for instance the main place to go is balker b o w k e r dot com to get your ISBN numbers and then you can buy them individually but the most cost-effective way is to buy a book of 10. I think they're still currently $250. The reason being, 10, 10 numbers is gives you uh, multiple uh, versions of your book. If it's a, you're doing a hardback version, you're doing a soft cover, or you're doing your e-book, they all require a separate ISBN number. Uh, so you can oh, buy the some numbers say, there.
1: Yeah, Someone, Nick, will say, well, wait a minute, Amazon doesn't require an ISBN. That's right, for an e-book. But others do. Others do. So... Uh, and, and here's what I would suggest you do. On your copyright page, if you're doing a, a, a hard, a case, what do you call it? Case down, a hard, um, that you put what that is in the ISBN. If you're going to do a paper, even though you don't your paper is not out, you're going to allocate that. Go ahead and write that in and then put your eBIC ISBN. That way you don't have to keep redoing the copyright page.
2: That's true. At least years ago, people would do that all the time and require new printing. So now it makes it it's a lot easier, and it just looks professional.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as well as your LCCN, if you plan on going to um, a library, if you want to pitch your book to a library, you're going to need a Library of Congress number. Um, and where Nick said 250 is for the Bowker, you can go to either Bowker.com or you can go to uh, their their other site for just for this. It, which is called my identifiers, and that's plural myidentifiers.com and get it there. And they will you'll you have them in minutes. They respond instantly. The other one is the LCCN, which you get at the LOC.gov website. and that's going to cost you um, less than $50 dollars to do this. It's a two-step process. And if any of you who are listening get confused, if you will just email me, um, either you can go to info at org or judith at com and say, help, I need LOC, um, info. I will send you a report that we've created that will help you out.
2: Yeah, and uh, they're pretty fast with responding, too. So that's something you can get done within a week usually on generally. And then Bowker, you can get your ISBN numbers the same as you purchase them. So
0: Yes, uh, yes. Yeah.
2: And they also offer uh, barcodes, but I, and then as Lightning Source and CreateSpace, they all offer their own barcodes. But I'd say, I mean, most graphic designers now have barcode software like I do. And the preferences for me, for me is that, uh, you know, since you're doing, since books tend, tend to be smaller and trim sized now, you don't want those big, bulky, rectangular ISBN number barcodes in the back of your book. It takes up a lot of real estate. You want to get, uh, you want to generate a barcode that's basically what we call a truncated size, which is like an eighty percent aspect ratio. So it's the if you look in the back of books that you have in your own bookshelf, you'll see these smaller barcodes. They're narrower and smaller. Uh, they take up less size and and they look so much better. So that's that. So I just offer barcodes, you know, free to my authors when I'm doing their covers. So.
1: Yeah, and, and just about all the designers we work with are the same. It makes it okay. We have a few minutes left. Let's talk about the the process of cover design from layout to final. Can you do that in a few minutes, Nick?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, most designers uh, you you just you'll discuss. Uh, you know, you as an author may have or may not have any idea what you want your book cover to be, or you may have some directions you want to give your designer. But um, rule of thumb is let. You know, let the designer run with your ideas on that because you may be surprised and get something really good. But I, for instance, for me, I'll, I'll offer, uh, in my pricing, I'll offer an author somewhere between four to even six uh, solid front cover designs uh, that they can vet and look and, and, and kind of critique. Uh, sometimes I hit the button right on there. But mostly, uh, you know, you'll you'll get a front cover first. You'll get three rounds of changes to that and then, you know, the back cover comes after the front cover. You know, the back cover everything the elements of everything else, the spine and all that, will fall into place once the front cover is decided on. So uh you wanna you wanna that's usually the process of cover design, uh getting a PDF file that you can kinda of print out and look at. And then maybe if you've got a focus group you can kind of vet that 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 those designs to them and see what's you know what works the best.
1: Right, and and Nick and I have gone through. I mean, up to the last minute, we were ready to go to print on Courtney Miller's book, the the uh, first Raven mocker, and he was so tied in in that, and I, I kept going back to him because Nick and I were trying to push him to this one area that our guts, you know, our experience said this is the one, and he he was making the mistake that so many authors make is especially new authors is and he was a, this is a fiction book and he wanted all the key elements within the story all featured on the front cover.
2: Yeah, that's the number one issue that I come across with all authors on cover design is that they're so close to the project, they think that every little scene in the book needs to be depicted on a cover because it's important to them. Most book buyers and the general public, they don't care about that. They want have an emotional impact with the title and maybe one or two images, or maybe it's just a color combination or some emotional element that grabs them. Cover design is... Marketing and art, and a wonderful marriage of marketing and art, uh, and it works best when uh, you know a good designer can do that, but having 15 different elements on a cover never will never work for, uh, for any book, really.
1: No, and, and then what we asked Courtney is, what well, he said he did a focus group, and I said, well, that's great. Who was in your focus group? And then when he told me all the people who was in his fo- focus group, his neighbor, his great friend, <laughs> his wife, his daughter, his those people love you and they cannot be in your focus group.
2: <laughs> that's true. Boss. There's got to be your potential buyer. Somebody would buy your book. And that doesn't mean you'll have to like them if they have to buy your book. So you have to think of it as a, that's a business. You know, that's a part of the business right there. It's not, it's not a feel-good buddy club where people will just pat you on the back and say, yeah, it's good, that's, I, I would buy that. Anyway, you yeah. want total strangers looking at your book cover.
1: Absolutely, total strangers, and and you you want to really get that input. And it turned out that the cover he went to, which is he finally crossed over, and he's gotten unbelievable rave reviews for the cover. And, and you know, I, I need to say this for those of you listening in. I'm actually recording outside today because it's so beautiful. So you might hear birds chirping. There could be a waterfall once a while a plane goes over. And because we are pre Fourth of July. I actually hear the little boys next door with firecrackers. I can hear them. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to wonder, so you might as well just let them know what's going on. So here we are. Anyway, um, so the process of cover design is that you get the example of that book cover. um, And here's why it's so great to start thinking of that book cover, even though it might be tweaked. You can get that up on your website and you start feeling it's coming and you can announce it and when you get closer and closer is that you actually can create your uh, if you're going to sell it on Amazon your Amazon page where they can start taking pre-orders and Nick and I had one client Michelle Marchadon who did her, her book for yoga um, that she had over one thousand pre-orders because she had that up a solid month and was marketing aggressively aggressively before that book was even available, we weren't even at the printers yet, and she was selling it like hotcakes.
2: Yeah, getting your cover done right off the bat is a good idea for most people. I think it gives it gives a face to the project. It gives you that time to uh, to market aggressively your cut, your book because it's got a, You've got a product out there, or, or at least the face of the product. And uh, so, we really when I get a lot of people ask me, well, when should I get a cover done? Well, get it done. You know, but get it done right away.
1: Absolutely, and and you know what? It 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 adds as inspiration to keep going. It's almost there. I can see it. I can feel it. Um, I know when you designed the cover for my book that I'm actually going to formally launch this month, Snappy, Sassy, Salty. I think we got it on the second, pretty much the second patch. I mean uh-huh. you came with and, yes. and and it was there, and I felt it, and I loved it. You know, it's important for me to love my covers. Um, but it came in. All right, Nick. We've got two minutes left. So, what we what can we do? Some quick wrap ups for secrets of great book design.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, get like I said, go back to your get your team together. Get get your uh, all the elements that you want, but get um, you know get your word file in a, in a in a state that you can present it to a designer so that they, you can get a pricing on it. Uh, list. Um, and, and we go back, we haven't said this, but you know the best thing you can do as an author is go to your bookstore and do your research. Find the books that are in your genre that are bestsellers that, that work, So because those are the people you're going to compete against. So find how those covers work, how much copy, uh, so that you can figure out, you know, there's nothing new in publishing. It's all been regurgitated in, in your own way, but, but you need to know what's what your competition doing and how they're doing well so that you can match and beat that so those are that re, that uh, research is invaluable for not only for you but for your designer too because it'll give you ideas what you want to give your designer for uh, interior the look of an interior and the look of a cover too
1: absolutely and if you see one that you love 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 of course that's what your phone is for it's got a camera so take yep. pictures of that and also don't forget to open up the book and look at how it opens. And, and you know, other books, find, find uh, those visuals that just pop at you because that all does help your designer. That's As true. And,
2: lo- and look at spines, too. If you've got a really thick book, that spine is uh, extra real estate that can be really stand out and be extra special. And there's a lot of different ways to produce and present a spine on a book that gives it a fresh, new look, and it's just not, you know, just not the title and your name, uh, blandly put there. Uh, you can do some inventive stuff and in design with a with a spine, too, because it's all part of the package.
1: Yeah, and has some fun. All right. Wrapping up, Nick Zellinger NZ Graphics um, is where you can find it, nzgraphics.com. And lots of good information. Thank you, Nick.
2: Sure, thank you. Happy Fourth.
1: Happy Fourth.
2: I'm a-